With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. The following production is brought to you by the Talkin' Buds Leaf Show. Talking Buds Leaf Show, game two in the books. Everything that could go wrong in game one went wrong, and everything that could go right in game two went right. Yeah, it was a must win, and they got it done. They got it done in emphatic fashion. Just a receipt, a blowout receipt is what I would call that win. Started on time. Yes, started like... Under a minute into the game, how quick it, quickly into the game was that Marner goal? That was less than a minute. Yeah, first shot on get, first shot on net. Capitalized on a power play. When you look at it, like the, the I want to pull this from uh, Luke Fox on Twitter. Leafs core five in game two: Morgan Riley four assists, John Tavares three goals, Mitch Marner two goals, one assist, Austin Matthews two assists, William Nylander one goal, one assist. That's all we've been asking for. That is the recipe for success. That's all we've been asking for from this core. We keep hammering at home every single year. We need them to show up in the playoffs. And tonight, they showed up. Hopefully, they didn't... I was about to say something very inappropriate, but hopefully, they didn't spend it all in one night. Yes. So... I don't think so. Let's keep I think... the production going. But, hey, this is this is how you uh, how you win in the playoffs. You're You're... Your best players need to be your best players. Some nights your depth needs to outplay the other depth. And tonight, the least best players were the best players, and they won the hockey game. I also think, like, part of these two losses, like, not to take away from uh, the Lightning win or the Leaf win, but I do think part of each was the other team being bad. Like, the Lightning were the lightning were bad. Like, they're they're banged up on the yeah, back they're end. Banged, they're banged up yes. badly. Yes. Badly. Like, when you're missing your two best defensemen, like, you, you have, it's, it's going to be tough to to win hockey games and, and not like they just looked, they, they look, just looked gassed like that third period. Like it was just a parade to the penalty penalty box for them. And yeah, just uh, kind of, kind of um, the same night for both teams, like both awful nights for both teams, game one and two. So let's see, uh, let's see what happens when we go to Tampa. All the more reason to capitalize though, when your opponent is down, you got to kick, you got to hold them down, put your foot on their throat as they say, and that's what they did tonight. When I look at those stats that I just read out, the one that jumps out to me as being super important is the Morgan Riley four assists. He was a huge topic of discussion on the pod and on other shows all year. 
and he is he's a part of their core. He is uh, um their highest paid defenseman. He's the highest paid defenseman and he needs to be he's at his best. I called him a riverboat gambler all year. He's at his best when he's contributing offensively like that and he's just he was he was everywhere tonight. And to me, that that's what jumps out the most to me. If, if, if Morgan Riley is going to produce and be as impactful going forward, I like the Leafs' chances. Well, he has to produce for him to be impactful because that's just the type of player he is. And when he's not producing, then he start kind of looking at the minute details of his game that you're not super stoked about. But he, he I, as someone who you were looking at in the lineup who needed to come in, have a good game, you're the highest-paid defenseman, Technically, on paper, you're supposed to be the second best defenseman in the series, other than Edmund, who's now injured. And you come out and have a game like that. That's uh, especially with the Leafs' decor not being the most offensive decor in the league. Having your best defenseman come out and get four assists in game two and establish himself in this series, like, well, can't ask for anything more than that. So, right off the bat, watching this game, you looked at me and you said. This decision to move, you are bought in to Ryan O'Reilly, third line center. Yeah, we had this debate um, when all the lineup shuffling was going on. And I, and during the regular season, I admit that I did like him on that second line loaded up um, for sure. Because I kind of looked at who he could have on his wing um, if he was on the third line. Like, him playing with Alex Kerfoot and somebody else didn't really get me too excited, but... I don't know. You put Matthew Nyes in there, who who also isn't the fastest skater in the world, but is pretty elite below the goal line. Achari was forechecking like crazy tonight, and it just it really did fill out that line quite nicely, especially after that game one where the depth just looked atrocious, like god awful. So having that line filled out and and watching them tonight, it, it did make a big difference. And I'm I'm definitely more bought in on him being a centerpiece of that line. It just it gives them a different look. It, it's the reason why you got him in the first place to add to the center depth and just have more lines that could do more damage. So I, I, I'm bought in. He needs to stay there. He's probably going to stay there. And uh, that's that, man. I, my friend, am completely bought in on Matthew Nice. I thought he looked, he did not look out of place at all. Tonight, and I think putting him with the two veteran guys on the third line is only going to help elevate him further. I like you won't find any bigger fan of Ryan O'Reilly and Nolachari than me. So it's great decision. You know, I got I harped on Sheldon. A lot of people harped on Sheldon after game one. And that that was a smart move putting that line together. And you it just it does spread the wealth out. Like you made the comment about like also the how um responsible defensively. Ryan O'Reilly is and just it, well yeah it's just like when he's when he's out there it just makes you feel more comfortable in the D zone other than like Achari centering the third line is is a lot to ask for him to do like he's not he's not a third line center he, he can play third line wing I, I saw it tonight but but also that line looks better because the Tavares line looked better like the reason why you threw O'Reilly on that line is because you didn't love the Nylander Tavares combination. But when that line is going and moving and then the third line's contributing, it just looks even better. It looks deeper. It looks better and and all around. And with Matt and I's, it's he took two penalties tonight. 
Um, what I've seen from him so far in his career early is he's not fleet of foot. But this guy, you watch him, and, and if you all of us know hockey, you can see the hands on him. You know, you, you can see him below the goal line making it's plays, the way he can drive the, the poise, net. The poise for yeah. me. Yeah, like the hands are, are, are the skill part, but it's the fact that like he's, he's as, as green as it gets at the NHL level, and he's... He he's not he doesn't look intimidated out there. That's what I like the most about him. He's got a lot of poise and maturity for a young kid. Yeah, he's just gotta he's gotta just I don't know if he's gonna do it in the near future, but heading into next season, if he's gonna be on this team, he's gotta go see a Barb. He's gonna go see Barb Underhill. He needs to go see a skating co- coach because he's not exactly the the fastest skater I've ever seen in my entire life. That's fine though. He's gonna go see Barb Underhill, and they're gonna get that sorted out. Huge question going into this game: Elias Samsonov. Right off the bat, made a couple of big saves. 21 save night. Um, it's pretty... All year after a, um, a bad performance, he would bounce back. And he did that again tonight. And I, to me, when I when I sat down to watch tonight's game, he was the guy that I was most... I was like, God, if, if Elias Samsonov goes out tonight and does not play well, we're in big, big trouble. And he he was excellent. Yeah, would you call it a? Did we did we overreact? Did we have a mini panic? Like I, I think everybody freaked I, out for sure. But I, I, I'm I think, listen, listen. I'm not. I and you at home who felt the same way. I'm not going to apologize for that. The, the baggage that we've carried with us as a fan base yeah. for everything we've seen over the last few years. It's almost not even his fault. No, it's not. Yeah, is why is why everyone. I don't want to say overreact. Why everyone's had a strong reaction to the game one loss is because of the baggage that this organization and we as a fan base are carrying around. So we had some people comment on the last video saying that they didn't think that he had that bad of a game and that the defensive uh, coverage in front of him was horrible. And that that's a valid point. But anyways, moving on to um, tonight, I thought, Thought it was a way he just looked way more comfortable. He wasn't swimming around. He wasn't getting caught out of position. He he bit on the first Tampa goal, but then like he didn't seem rattled after he allowed it. He settled back in and made some more nice saves. And that's well, he's got he's got to let in a goal. Like he, he like it's not like he like can't we can't overanalyze every goal he lets in. Like he's got to let in goals. It's just that that first game you just looked uncomfortable the whole team looked uncomfortable i thought tonight they did a great job of not letting him get peppered for 40 shots i thought he made three massive saves on the early tampa power plays i thought he made a couple of big saves in the second but other than that it it was nice to have the shots reduced on him so that way he didn't have to make as many big saves and and, and see his a, a big workload john tavares hat trick yeah, let's see more of it. Yeah, let's see more of it. I thought he played really well tonight. You know, I thought he, I thought he's still below the hash marks in the yeah, offensive right zone. He's still elite. Us. Yeah, yeah, it's right on brand for everything we've been saying about him. It's just sometimes when he's not scoring and he's lumbering around, you start to get frustrated. But then you give him the puck in a scoring position in the slot around the net, and the guy can still bury it better. Than anybody else in that position. So he did that tonight. Luke Shen and Tanner Janot have a heavyweight tilt at the end of the game. Boys. Those are that is those are two heavyweights in the National Hockey League. I 
I take my hat off to, I don't think he needed to fight there, but Janot was really in his grill and wanted to do it. And so he obliged and he, it's just such a different feeling when you've got a heavyweight on your team, like Luke Shen. He, would you say he, he lost that fight or would he, I would say it's pretty even. Like they tagged each other. I'd have taken. I, I think it'd have been a split decision for, for Jano, yeah. but he's a tough customer. Shen's a tough customer. Um, I wouldn't say the same for Justin Hall though. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> that guy's got the worst pound for pound. The the worst fighter in the NHL. Poor Justin Hall taking an L to the Nuge and then taking an L to Corey Perry. Corey Perry never drops the gloves, and then he just looks at it. He he like. He's scrumming with him, and then he just looks in his eyes, and he's like, oh, yeah, you're the you're the guy who got his ass kicked by the nooch. And he was like, all right, I'll drop my gloves, and then all turtled. And then he was jawing at him on the way out, and then the entire building chanting, Perry sucks. The relationship between Corey Perry and Leaf Nation is, is a tumultuous one, and Corey Perry is living in our heads rent-free. I'll admit it. I, I, that guy, I hate that guy, but I respect him. Yeah, but he's, but... You hate him because he's good. Yes, like, exactly. So That's what I mean. I good. respect him. Yes. Yeah. Like he's. It's not like he's just a worm. Like he's so good. Like he scored again tonight. He's going to get those opportunities every game, and he and he seems like it, it, he does get opportunities every time he plays this team in the playoffs. It's it's quite unbelievable, actually, how good he is against this team, and it's it's annoying. But, man, he's effective. Well, and there's also the story about how he wanted to sign here before signing yeah, with yeah. Montreal, which really makes it, like, adds a layer there that is super interesting. Um, Marner gets two goals, and Matthews has yet to score a goal. What? What is... He, he was kind of around it tonight, but he's still not... He looks like he's fighting it a bit. It's it's kind of the same thing that we talked about with Matthews all year in the sense of like his 200 foot game is really good. Like defensively, he's really good, but he's just he's kind of fighting it offensively. What's he got to do? I mean, as long as the other guys are contributing, yeah, it's uh, like, it gives yeah. him some wiggle room. It's but not a huge deal. It's just it's yeah. just he's he it's just it like from you know it's bugging him that he's not on the score sheet. Yeah, and and. You've you've seen it in in past series with Phil Deneau and and other guys. It's when when he he's considered this team's best player. So the other t- the opposition's focus is on shutting him down and checking that him as tight as they possibly can. And when they do that, he kind of has a hard time. Like when you don't when you don't give him any time and space, it, it, he hasn't found a way to adjust to that. In seven years of being in the in, in the postseason, like that's just that's kind of the book on him. It's just like you just stay right on his ass when he gets the puck. And this he can't. He's a very hard time fighting for time and space in the playoffs. And and it just seems like he gets frustrated and he hasn't found a solution for it. Like you said it while you're watching the game, he just doesn't have that Sid Crosby in him. Yeah, he's got to, you know? he's, he's, and he might, like, I'm not saying he doesn't have it at all. I'm saying there, there's, seen it yet. there's another level that he has to get to to fight, like, I will not be denied kind of level, right? Yeah. So, again, there's still time. There's yeah, still in, time no way, in no way am I saying that in a negative sense. I'm saying, I, if, you know, it's bugging him that everyone else got their cookie tonight and he didn't get his 100%. Yeah. So we're heading to Tampa, tied 1 1. I'd be ready 
Tampa's going to come out. Victor Hedman or no Victor Hedman, they're going to come out ready to go. Even Chernak. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's their second best defenseman. Like, what yeah. is he going to be back? Well, he's got a concussion, so you, and, you never know. And it's a shame that, like, we don't root for injuries, but I don't know if you remember this team right here with the banner. Yeah. There wouldn't be a banner behind us if it wasn't Kevin. for injuries. Yes. So you got to take what you can get, and if this is the situation, you better take advantage of it. But death, taxes, and game sevens. Oh, like, you know, it's... Well, you got to go to Tampa. You got to win two games. Yep. And uh, just for the start of game three, I think Tampa's going to come out rocking. I think their building's going to be rocking, and they're going to have to weather the storm early. Yeah. They played uh, last year, they played well in Tampa. Like they had two games there, games three and six, even though they ended up losing game six, that they, uh, they played well. So they, they played well there two weeks ago. So it's it's a it's an environment that they should be familiar with, but just like you saw in the third period, once once the game was out of reach, Tampa starts getting chippy and they're trying to get in, in the Leafs' heads. But I do think the the thing about this iteration of the Leafs, yeah, it's different. It's different. It it, it feels different. It, in previous years, you'd be kind of sitting there like, ooh, like yeah. can they handle this? And now it's like, what? The, Luke Shen is not. Back Achari's not backing down. Even Ryan O'Reilly's, yeah, Ryan O'Reilly's yeah. presence is yeah, just yeah, he's totally not, different. Yeah, he's not backing down. Like none of these yeah. guys. Like even Giordano tonight dropped the mitts early in the game. Like it's not. Yeah, it's not. Happening. Yeah, it's not like the the physical intimidation is not a factor like it once was. You know what's gonna happen in this series? What, Ryan? What happens in every series? They're gonna go to an elimination game that they have to win, and then it's just going to come down to them winning that game. Like, I going into tonight's game, the vibes were low. But you just, like, I had a feeling they were going to win tonight. I, I don't want to, I know hindsight's twenty twenty, But, like, I, I had a good feeling they were going to win tonight. And they're going to go to Tampa. I don't know if they're going to win two there, or they're going to split it 1-1. But this series is going to game six and game seven. And we'll just... We'll see what happens. Like, you know, like it, hopefully the goaltending's good. Hopefully all the production from the top players continue. But that's it's just gonna come down to them trying to close out a veteran playoff team. Last thing I wanted to touch on before we get out of here. Mike Bunning gets three games for the hit on Chernak. The heel turn of Mike Bunting. This is a guy who last year was pretty, I don't want to say beloved, but, like, he was a fan favorite. Like, he brought a style, like, a tough-to-play-against style. He was sort of the 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 bargain version of Zach Hyman, and people wanted him to take over that role, and he really, he's, he's from here. He's, he really he's, endeared himself. He scored over 20 goals, two yeah. straight seasons. It's also because he contributed. He showed that he could bury the puck playing with top players. And then this year, down the stretch... It was, he He kind of struggled down the stretch. It it sort of came out that he and Keefe have a long, tumultuous history together. He has a ridiculous relationship with the officials. Like, he is, like, the NHL referees make no bones about how much they hate the guy. So, the thing that I found really interesting was he gets suspended, and then... The reaction from the fans, myself included, was just kind of like, eh, like, are we really, 
Is losing Mike Bunting a huge blow? And honestly, no. And you saw tonight, no. If anything, it kind of like his relationship with the uh, officials was becoming a negative. Like they're looking to call penalties on this guy and having him not in there. Like it was putting you at a disadvantage. And now having him not in there, that's sort of not as much of a factor anymore. Yeah, it seems like ever since it came out that the officials were kind of putting their sights towards Mike Bunning. Yeah. It, it, it's like production's fallen off. His game's fallen off. And it was a bit of a sideshow game one. Like it wasn't, it was, it was, he kind of looks like an idiot out there. And I, and, but that seems to be the consensus. Like I saw a lot of people who were just like, yeah, there was a dumb play that he made and he like, he almost I needs think, a time. Like he just needs a time. Out. I think three games was, was a bit much. It was a bit rich, Yeah, but like it's, I just didn't see anybody too bent out of shape about Mike Bunting being taken out of the lineup. And if this series goes long enough that he ends up coming back, I'm not putting him. I like Yarncrock up there with Matthews and Marner. Put him on the fourth line. Yeah. And Matt Nyes ain't coming out. No. No way. Yeah, no way. I, 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 for me, like I think everyone has their different reasons, maybe of why they don't care that Bunting's not in the lineup or why we're not going to miss him. For me, it's just. His production has just fallen way off. Like he hasn't yeah, and it's become contributed this offensively, and now yeah. it's just all about it's a sideshow. Every time he's out there, we're watching him to see if he's bugging the referees, if he's trying to dive. It's just it's becoming a distraction. So see you later, Mike Bunning. Three games. We'll see what happens when he comes back. Cause um I don't know if he's getting back on that top line. I don't know who's coming out of the lineup. So well, I wouldn't put but him he's back also on been that a top very line. important player for your organization for two straight seasons. Like I'm not I'm not gonna ignore that either. I think that's a little unfair, but I'm not taking Madden Eyes out of the lineup. Hell no. Hell no. And I don't think Sheldon Keefe is either. Especially like the way he sheltered with O'Reilly. Yes, you saw like him and O'Reilly talking on the bench. It's yeah. like this is the perfect guy. To and be Achari, that's two veteran guys. Learning from who've been. Noel Achari is an ex-Boston Bruin. Yeah, like perfect, perfect position to put the kid in. I, I, I gave it to Sheldon after Game One, but I'm gonna tip my cap to him and say that's a good third line. We'd like that third line. Zach Aston Reese gets a goal. Oh, there you go. Deems yeah, himself from the. Brutal giveaway to start game one. Yep. And then we they could just come out next game and suck again, and we'll be back here again complaining. Well, so no, there's got to be a game coming up that's like a tight-checking 2-1 hockey game. This has been blowout for blowout here to start this series, and at some point this is going to settle in, and someone's going to need to win a 2-1, 3-2 hockey game. <laughs> Those were two straight games where the third period was just... Yeah. At least this third period Eye was a gouging. bit more. At least this third period was a bit more entertaining with the with the fights and the fans getting kicked out. Oh, yeah, man, <laughs> that third period with like watching a baseball game without the pitch clock. Oh my god, it took forever. Painful. All right, buddy, we're gonna get out of here. We will be back after game three. I want to say a huge thank you, cheers, hello to all the new subscribers and all the people who commented on the last video. Even if you want to comment and call us pigeons. Please comment and call us pigeons. We love every second of it. As I said, we'll be back after game three and after every playoff game after that. So if you don't want to miss it, hit the like and subscribe button below. If you're listening to the audio version, leave a little five-star review and a comment. We got a couple of those on Apple Podcasts. Appreciate that as well. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Really appreciate it. We'll see you guys after game three.
I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. Hi, I'm Matt Kundal, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the podcast about broadcast. Every week since 2016, we've been bringing on broadcast leaders to talk about their experiences in radio, what they've seen, and where they believe it is all going. If you live and love radio, subscribe to the Sound Off Podcast with Matt Kundal wherever you get your podcasts.